Welcome to 89.5, The Shutout, and we are here to talk about some sports news. We don't really have a lot to talk about with, you know, now the MLB being done, the NHL being done, the NBA being done, and we only have football, but trust me, I could fill up an hour of your time talking about football. So, we're going to get started here. Again, I am Felix. And, and I'm, I'm Nick. I'm still here. He does the intros. I'm still here. Um, so we're going to get it started with baseball here. So now that the season's finally over, are these the... These are the awards that we've got. So we're pulling are up these the, postseason awards or just season awards? Uh, these are the season awards. So they nominated the... Like the nominees are up there for three nominees for each of the NL and AL awards. So you've got... Uh, holy cow, that's a long page. Uh, the, M- M- the MVP, I can talk. The Cy Young and uh, I think there's more... Rookie of the Year, all of those. So we're briefly going to run through uh, a little bit of what's going on with that. So starting off with the MVP, uh, the NL finalists, Mookie Betts from the L.A. Dodgers, Freddie Freeman from the Atlanta Braves, and Manny Machado from the San Diego Padres. Felix, your thoughts, even though I know we neither of us really have watched baseball that closely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like... You can kind of see their like, stats going yeah. through here. Um Mookie Betts had an amazing season. Of course, he's already he's had a lot of stories about him. He's already won an MVP. He's won a World Series, and he just proved that he could go to another team filled with superstars and be the top one. So I think he makes a strong case there. Just being, you know, just doing the things that he normally does in a star, you know, star stack team, and just being able to be one of the top producers on the team. I think stands out and I think that's why he's most likely going to be you know one of the he is one of the front runners but I think the front runner in those three at least and then the AL finalists for MVP are Jose Abreu DJ LeMayhew and Jose Ramirez and Jose Ramirez Um, yeah I mean Abreu had a really good year this year it says here you know the 2014 AL rookie of the year he spent his entire career in Chicago, and at 30, I think 32 now, he's he's not slowing down. He led the AL in hits and slugging percentage, led the entire majors in RBIs with 60, so he was good for, you know, a run a game. At least you're getting off his bat. And uh, his 19 homers only second in the league, so I think he makes a strong case for himself, um, which is good to see. You know, he's had he's always been solid and reliable, but he's had a, a down year by his own standards for the last two or three years here. Um, yeah, it's just weird to see some of these stats just because they had such a shortened season. So, like, a three six four batting average is, like, huge. Insane. And probably yeah. be pretty hard to maintain for an entire season, especially with facing some stronger players in some games and all that. So, I mean, well, yeah, it would just... maybe flatline throughout the season. But, well, obviously, you know, they had – you looked at Luke Voigt. They said Luke Voigt had 22 homers in 60 games. You can't tell me the guy is going to go out there and – and hit what 160 182 divided by three what he's gonna hit like 60 i say you're looking at a guy who's gonna hit 60 homers and that hasn't happened in a while that's a rare thing yeah we had a couple guys that were up there 19 22 18 17 that kind of stuff um moving on to the cy young the al cy young uh shane bieber from the cleveland indians kenta maeda from the twins and hunjin ryu from the Toronto Blue Jays. I almost said Maple Leafs, but the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, Bieber might win this one with just reading this. Took home the pitching triple crown, and 
He led the AL pitchers in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. So three categories you want to lead in, I think, would put him as a front runner for that. And, I mean, not not too many in-depth stats with just wins, ERA, and strikeouts, you know, very bl- like plain and straightforward of, you know, why he's the best pitcher this year. So think that you know is enough said maybe not so much wins but having an era below two isn't pretty insane and having 122 strikeouts is quite a lot in uh how many games 60 yeah. well and consider the fact that they wouldn't have started 60 games they would oh, exactly a lot of these guys made maybe 10 starts yeah like eight nine starts exactly. as you know he said he had eight wins so oh, so perfect. eight nine ten starts yeah 122 strikeouts is pretty crazy yeah the nl finalists of course trevor bauer from the cincinnati reds you darvish from the cubs and jacob Degrom, always a force in new york for the mets I got to give you Darvish props. Cause I remember he came back off that injury. He, you know, people were, were a little concerned about how he was going to perform. Came out against the White Sox and got knocked every place in the ballpark possible. I mean, he looked, he looked ugly. It was just bad. I mean, he had a really bad first couple outings, and so for him to bounce back. Yeah, see, and this says right here, nearly unhittable for the stretch. Seven and zero over seven starts from July to September. Um, and he just, yeah, he had those for those couple rough outings, but you Darvish came back and was throwing really, really well down the stretch for the Cubs, and that you know had to be one of the things that got him into the postseason in a competitive and always competitive NL Central. Yeah, exactly. He was basically played a stretch of the season that was just he was by far the best, and it kind of sucks that he couldn't close it out. But it is what it is. You face a couple good teams, and they can really mess up your stats, especially as a pitcher. So. It's hard to keep those stats down. Having still a 2.01 ERA is pretty good, and through that stretch, having a less than one ERA is insane. So, still, you know, again, a very strong case. Most of you either have one very strong case or you know two from the AL and NL respectively. So, you know, definitely, you Darvish is someone that could very easily go and win it, depending on how strongly they value you know, that stretch and how impactful it was to the team. Uh, we had the Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year for the NL, Alec Baum, Jake Cronensworth, and Devin Williams each. They're from Philadelphia, San Diego, and Milwaukee. Oh, not bad. I mean, I personally, I don't know any of these guys. And this is what I said. I didn't watch a whole lot of baseball. I usually got the White Sox news, and that was about it. And, you know, you know the big names. I'm not sure of any yeah. of these guys, but. You know, it was I mean, kind of a tough season to watch. Usually we get a lot more time with just no sports going on to watch baseball. But to watch three sports at once, baseball is not my top priority. You know, and I think i got to give it to Williams here. Looking at the stats, I mean, you know, Baum had a great uh, a great year batting-wise, slashing 338, 400, 481 in 44 games. I mean, he swung the bat really well. But just looking at this line for, for Williams, um, you know, as a rookie to come in and, and pitch 27 innings and allow – one run while striking out 53 batters as a reliever as a rookie in this league is really tough to do i mean that's got i've got to give it to him i think that's that's my pick for who's going to be getting that one i think williams is going to take it and then for the al's finalists that is christian javier from the houston astros kyle lewis from seattle and luis robert from the white Sox. i don't know what your take is on that one uh let's see so the astros he's a starting pitcher Five and two, three, four, eight. Our, our ERA, including ten starts. So, 
just a solid guy. Um, 11 homers, also racking up five stolen bases and grand slam robbery for Lewis. I don't know. These aren't very. These aren't as strong as the other side. No, they aren't. Robert, after signing a huge deal, posted a 9.60 on-base percentage, 10 homers in 33 games, for slowing down a bit. Still led all rookies with 31 RBIs, tied Lewis atop the rookie home run leaderboard. So yeah, I I don't know. The AL ones are all right. Maybe maybe uh, Luis Robert would be my pick. Just down that stretch being that dominant yeah. but for sure i agree with yeah. you on the the reliever that's yeah well and I, I had to ask your opinion because i was going to take Luis robert but i'm also a Sox fan so i'm you know i have that slight bias towards you know wanting to see our guys win the awards but yeah he was a machine i mean and he would crank out those home runs and we're talking almost 500 foot home runs i mean the dude just hits bombs all day and has zero regard for the feelings of the pitcher that he's hitting off of and yeah it's insane um moving on i think one of the last categories i don't think we're going to go through every Golden Glove here. Um, but the manager of the year, the AL finalists, Kevin Cash from the Rays, Charlie Montoyo from the Blue Jays, and Rick Renneria, who is now fired from the White Sox. <laughs> I think Kevin Cash has got to win it. He turned around that Rays organization to go to the World Series, and they were dominant upon that uh, what is it, AL East division. They just dominated it, came out first, and were first in the AL. So I think that's well-deserved for him. We have Don Mattingly for Miami, uh, David Ross for the Cubs, and Jace Tingler from the Padres, our NL finalists. I, I got to go with David Ross here, actually. You know, when the Cubs hired David Ross, I had my reservations because, you know, he, he was on the team in 2016 that won the World Series. Yeah. He's not that far removed. I mean, a lot of these guys he was on the field with when he was on there celebrating as their catcher. Um, and then you, you know, you turn around and they hire you as a manager, and you have to wonder how you're going to manage the relationship um, aspect of the I job when it, you've played with a lot of those guys. But yeah. I think he did really well. He ran a real tight ship. They had the fewest number, I'm pretty sure, of one of the fewest numbers of COVID cases ever. But um, Yeah, I just I think that it makes it a little easier to make those management decisions on when to pull people and stuff, especially being a catcher. What you know, management does, I think, he just has a good feel for because being in the lineup, he's experienced those things. So I think I would have to give it to the Padres – uh, manager just because the Padres just somehow did so great and you know they took a young team and advanced as far as they did so I yeah. would uh, that would be my pick for the AL manager yeah I'm not going to go over or, every, guess, every golden glove nominee then I think we'd be here for about the hour just doing that um, uh, we'll, we'll recap those awards again once the uh, the winners are announced and we'll kind of go back through and give our takes on that um, there's not a whole lot of news really with the NHL or the NBA right now. It's kind of that dead period. The NHL eyeing a December 1 start date for next season, which is a very quick turnaround for, you think about it, less than a month away from hockey already if, if that's what they opt to go with. And the NBA pursuing something similar because um, if they wait too long, you're looking at teams like Chicago then Golden State that are now going to have gone you know, a full year without playing in a game, which yeah. is crazy to think about, but it's what it's the reality of, how long we've been in COVID that's just like you don't think about the fact that you know yeah the Devils haven't played since March for you you yeah. haven't seen Jack Hughes on the ice in in eight months <laughs> yeah so it's just kind of throwing these guys for a fluke I think one big news in the NHL was that Mantha was just signed for four more years in Detroit don't really know why they didn't sign Bertuzzi to a big contract but it is what it is um 
But again, uh, in the NBA, the only real things that I've seen is just um, is just like Chris Paul being talked about being a Hall of Famer, Kevin Durant of always saying something on social media about how he doesn't need to win a ring to be in the Hall of Fame, which I think he has the right to say. I think he does. Uh, he definitely does. Yeah, I definitely think that Chris Paul. He's still a Hall spot. of Famer without that Golden State. Yeah. Year. So I think, I think his case gets stronger without that Golden State year because then you can't make the argument that he went soft and got carried. Yeah, but just Chris Paul. Like I'm talking Chris, about Kevin Durant. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Chris Paul is a different. Yeah, I think I think Kevin Durant should be is at least on track to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he needs a couple more years under his belt. But Chris Paul, I I think he's a Hall of Famer regardless. I think that he's been a crucial part of of any team that he's played on and he's done some great things in the league and he's always been relatively loyal. I mean, he played for the Clippers for so long and now um playing on the Thunder and then the Rockets. He's kind of been shifting around, which is weird to see. And now they're saying, oh, he could finish out the big three in the Lakers. Oh, great. So we have Chris Paul, LeBron, and AD. And Kevin Durant just said, yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame regardless of whether he goes to the Lakers and possibly wins an easy ring or not. So it depends. I don't know. I just hope that like more players than not just don't pull the weak move and go to the super team. So... I'm hoping that Chris Paul doesn't, but I know it's been pretty tough for him, like being in Houston and being in the Thunder, where essentially not much really happened. It's not like Lob City. So. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I did hear inklings that LeBron was looking to form another a big three. Yeah. I haven't heard of with who. I didn't look into it that much. Um, I just kind of disregarded it, even though I probably shouldn't because it is LeBron. But It's just everyone's been trying to form a big three, and they've been these off-brand janky big threes that are like – you know, we all here we have dominant Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, look how good Paul George is. Look how inconsistent he is now. Like, we can't form big threes off these old names because Paul George was amazing when he was by himself and young as the Pacers. But now when you shift him around places, he has to play different on the tail end of his career. He's not going to do very good, and we saw that where he's not very, not very clutch and. It's just these guys have got to form their own teams. I mean, I may not like the 76ers, but I respect what they did. I mean, building from the ground up, making their team go from last to in the playoffs, basically within a year or two after they had drafted everyone. So I definitely respect what the 76ers did. You know, I like what the Bucks are doing. They're not going out trying to sign these huge names to, you know, surround Giannis with. And... I think it's just it just sucks for the rest of the league that can't score these superstars. I mean, the Knicks offer you a better deal and you just go somewhere because of the players. I think that that's – I mean, at the same time, you could say it's good because they're not taking, you know, the money and they're more concerned about who they're playing with. But at the same time, it's kind of ruining the league. Like, when we know who's going to win, like, we know who's going to go far in the playoffs because they have so much playoff experience on the team going next to, you know – a team like the Nuggets, a team like the Jazz that doesn't have too much playoff experience but is good and is, is a young team that's building up. I mean, they're just getting beat down by, like, Anthony Davis and LeBron. So it's just hard, and it, it, I think it's hard to just watch. Like, if you're a fan of a team like that, it's hard to watch and just, you know, you can place 
you know, your most favorable bet on someone and uh, they end up going and winning. But compare that in any other sport, it, it's not it's not like that. I mean, look at the 49ers, for example. They were Super Bowl runner-ups and now, now they're, they're fighting look, for they the division lead. Terrible, yeah. Yeah, and so... Look at, well, I was going to say Dallas, but I mean, you look at just how hot and cold and, and what what the difference that, like you said, the difference that the makeup is of one person yeah exactly you look well, at dallas they were that offense was that offense was scoring at will with dak behind the helm they put andy dalton and ben DiNucci in there they haven't scored in eight quarters they have not scored yeah. a touchdown well, in eight quarters and it's just the difference of what a player can do between leagues so it's a lot easier to form a super team in the nba right. than it is right. in any other sport you can form a super line in hockey and suck we saw that with colorado if you don't have every piece if you don't have a goalie yeah, you're not gonna not- win and I mean, Colorado had two super lines with a, I yeah, mean, defensive star. The fact they lit up, they lit up Arizona seven to one back to back games, and yeah. then turned around to play Dallas, and they, I think they what they went down two nothing and scored maybe three goals in the first two games combined. I mean, they, if they shut that down, and then they exposed the fact that Colorado had a young, weak defensive core, and, a, and but, they, yeah, when we're playing a backup backup goalie by the end of the series, when you have when you have guys like LeBron and AD that are one of five people on the court at the, and can also play nearly, you 48 know. 48 minutes a game. Yeah. We saw Jimmy Butler play 47 in game six or game five. So when is this a problem of let's reduce the amount of timeouts so that substitutions actually matter a little more or just purely for the end game? I mean, if you want to say four timeouts for the last 30 seconds, go ahead. But how many timeouts do they have now? Seven? I think they get seven total, yeah, and I think – I forget if there's a reduction if you don't use them or anything like that by the half. Or yeah, I, I think it drops to four if you don't use all, if you don't use three by the half. It's I think yeah. it's something like that, but I couldn't tell you to save my life. Like they should just take down like one or two so that substitutions actually matter, that they can rotate in guys and stuff like that. But it's just, uh, it's not an easy way to fix because basketball teams are just so fragile. I mean, there's only five guys on the court, so it, it's tough to it's tough to build that team and get you know people because you almost have to draft someone but it's so easy just to grab a couple of players and just call it a super team so it's a tough balance and it's just it's the easiest team to kind of skate by and just be like oh yeah we got two players and this changes our whole team dynamic so it is what it is. It's impossible to fix, but it's annoying that players do so much recruiting and just leave it. I mean, there's only so much recruiting you can even do in all these other leagues, and you can see it. But in the NBA, it seems to be, like, so, so important. So I, I don't necessarily understand why, but I think it comes into play again. With There's only five guys on the court. You kind of want to play with people that you like because you're going to have to play with them for 35 minutes a game, and you want them to be good. But it is what it is. I, there's no exact solution. It's just the way things are. And, and it's kind of annoying that LeBron just kind of goes wherever he wants and just plays with whoever he wants to now at the tail end of his career just because, hey, man, you still got to prove that you're good to go in this league. Like, you can't just pick who you're going by and, you know, they'll help win you games. Because, I mean, LeBron proved that he can in the Cavs, but at the same time, you know, now with, like, the Lakers and stuff, 
I mean, his teammates are putting up near the same numbers as him. Anthony Davis put up the same numbers as him, and he has great players surrounding him. So I don't necessarily know, like, what goes through players' heads when they make the decision, but it's just kind of frustrating from a fan standpoint, like especially the Knicks where we can offer you as much money as you want and you just simply don't want to go to us. I mean, look, Kevin Durant, I want to go play with Kyrie. I just don't want to go to the Knicks and do it all myself. They offered him what? The the Knicks have three Supermax slots open? Yeah. And they've offered him every year. Every year you see the same thing. They offer someone. (laughs) Paul George to the Knicks. It might happen, and nothing happens. It very could. It very well Well, should happen. It could, and it should. You're right. In any other league, you're taking the Supermax. Well, yeah, and the goal. That's the goal of free agency and the salary cap was that, you know, you you can't just, like, Sign everyone. Up, you, you're going to hit the cap, and people are going to want to get paid. They're going to say, no, I'm not, you know, as LeBron James, going to take the veteran minimum to join the Lakers when the goal is that he's not going to take a, a pay cut to join the Lakers when he could make more money yeah. to play with the Knicks. That's that's the goal of having the salary cap in the free agency. Yeah, you can't sign everybody, and yeah. and I just it's not working as it's designed. and. Yeah, and to, I mean, that's that's the thing, that. too. I mean, that's like last episode talking about the draft and how, you know, the Knicks should have gotten Zion and nothing can turn around for Zion. But that's a whole other conversation that we had and could keep rambling on for another 20 minutes. But uh, we're going to take a break here. Oh, we'll, I do have, um, speaking nope. of which, I know we talked about getting the gold gloves next week. They just came out about a minute ago. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, so I'm just going to run through them really quick. I'm not going to read into anything. Um for catchers, uh, you know, I'll just do the AL. At catcher, it was Roberto Perez of the Indians. At first base, Evan White of the Mariners. At second base, Cesar Hernandez of the Indians. At shortstop, J.P. Crawford of the Mariners. So, as you can see, they have a real nice infield combination of the Indians and the Mariners there. Um, third base, Isaiah Kiner Ky- oh, Kiner Falefa. I apologize if I just butchered that from the Rangers. Uh, the outfield consists of Alex Gordon from the Royals, Luis Robert from the White Sox, and Joey Gallo from the Rangers. And at pitcher is Griffin Canning from the Angels. And then... In the NL, Tucker Barnhart at catcher for the Reds, Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez, both at first base and shortstop, respectively, for the Cubs, with Colton Wong from the Cardinals at second, along with Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals in left. Nolan Arenado gets the third base gold glove from the Rockies. Trent Grisham from the Padres in center. Mookie Betts from the Dodgers in right. And Max Fried, Fried? Uh, from the Braves at pitcher. So, yeah, that's the uh, that's the 2020 Gold Glove winners right there. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll be talking about football for the rest of the show. We can probably find many, many talking points to fill up your weekly podcast needs here at the shutout and also here at 89.5 WJMU, the quad. All right, we're back here on the shutout here at WJMU 89.5, the quad. It's time for Felix's weekly two-minute recap of the NFL, um, where he tries to recap every single game and give a small blurb, if necessary, in as close to two minutes as I, possible. He went 45 seconds over. Yeah, last it's going to it's gonna have to be a smaller blurb yeah, here. So All right, gonna ready? Give, he's going to give his take, and then we'll hit the details after. Here we go. Let's start it off Thursday Night Football. Ready? All right. And let me get the timer up here. Ready? 
Falcons, Panthers, go. All right, the Falcons, my pick was right. The Falcons beat the Panthers. The Panthers are really struggling this season. Saints beat the Bears in overtime. Somehow that field goal went straight. Doesn't usually happen in Chicago, but it did. Both teams look pretty terrible. Anyway, the Bills beat the Patriots. Cam Newton looks like garbage as usual. Fumbles a ball, loses the game. That's what happened. Joe Burrow completely destroyed, dismantles the Titans is the word. Joe Burrow looking like a veteran in this league right now and bringing the Bengals to life somehow. The Raiders beat the Browns in like the win bowl of the year. I mean, they couldn't even throw a pass and they didn't do anything offensively. 16-6. to The Colts beat the Lions. The Lions just fell apart at the end. Typical Detroit. The Vikings beat the Packers behind Dalvin Cook literally picking up Kirk Cousins and running him into the end zone. And Aaron Rodgers still leads the game in passing. Couldn't even kick a field goal. This game shouldn't even be worth mentioning. The Chiefs beat the Jets 39 to 5. Or 39 35-9. <laughs> At one point it was 14 to 9. And yeah, the rest is history. The Dolphins beat the Rams. Jared Goff was just getting sucker punched. He'd probably go around with Connor McDavid instead of getting clotheslined by Miami's defensive line. He just looked like terrible at four turnovers. Dolphins win. Steelers, Ravens, what a game. What a game of the week. Lamar took off for that fourth down, could not convert. Steelers win 28-24, very consistent team. The Broncos somehow beat the Chargers 31-30. The Chargers blow another huge lead. The Broncos take advantage. Drew Locke looks you know, just as inconsistent as the whole Lions organization. Who knows how he'll develop as a quarterback. The Seahawks beat the 49ers 37-27. Pretty good game played, but the Seahawks prevail after losing last week to the Cardinals. That division is still up for grabs no matter what happens. The Eagles beat the Cowboys 23-9. Danucci, like, this is this is the prime example of seventh, what seventh-round picks do look like in the NFL. Staring down receivers, getting blindsided, fumbling the ball. He's just looked awful. He looked like a seventh-round pick. Not a person that you want in that quarterback for your team. And then the Buccaneers surviving the Giants. Every single week the Giants make it closer than it should and they just fall short. Daniel Jones is a pretty decent quarterback but it is what it is. There it is. I went 12 seconds over. Yeah. It's not bad. Pretty close. You shaved off about 30, what, 33 off your last mark. uh, Let's just, I don't know, we'll we'll just roll it back here and any commentary we have. I know the Panthers are missing Christian McCaffrey even more with every loss that stacks up against him. Yeah, he's scheduled to come back in a week or two, so good news for the Panthers. You actually have a living hope. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is not looking as good as he normally did coming off the bench. And rolling that forward, Nick Foles does not look good as starting quarterback no. coming off the we're, bench. We're actually seeing calls for Mitch Trubisky to come back in. They think oh, now that the fans so at this bad, point, I think though. we have seen that at this point There's just no answer. it's Matt Nagy. It's not the quarterbacks. They said it's Matt Nagy, and at this point, if you're going to have to play either Foles or Trubisky, you might as well play Trubisky because his legs and his mobility bring the off bring a dimension to the offense that Foles takes away because he doesn't run. Well, it depends on run. what. Well, depends on what the offensive coordinator wants to run. If you're going to give up play, if you're going to switch up coordinating, if you're going to give up play calling to the offense coordinator, but he's not. He's not. That's that's like the thing. Matt yeah, Nagy reiterates but, week after week that he will never give up the play sheet. But if he does, then the offensive coordinator, this will be the perfect time for him to pick the quarterback that fits his system right. for whatever play calling. But And I agree. And I heard this about, about Foles, Trubisky, and the legs and whatnot. And we saw Trubisky come in. It might be a look the Bears explore more where he came in for one play just to like run Taysom the read Hill. option. Kind of like Taysom Hill catching a touchdown. <laughs> kind of like a Taysom Hill thing, except Trubisky doesn't catch touchdowns. Um, he rarely throws them, in fact. But, uh, you know, I think we saw that. And we saw Nick Foles on third down. 
uh, on a third and nine, had the A-Rob ran the, the corners off him. He was scrambling out to the left. The play broke behind the line, and he comes out left. He's looking, he's looking. He has about 15 yards of open space in front of him. He stays behind the line trying to throw it, takes a sack. They said Trubisky probably takes off and, and puts his head down and tries to get those nine yards. And when you're looking at the Bears' offensive line, they just they have a bad offensive line. We have, I think, two-fifths of our starting line from week one is still in the in our starting lineup, and that's Cody Whitehair and uh, I think Bobby Massey. Everyone else is a backup of some sort, and we just put two guys on COVID today that got one tested positive, another one was close contact. So when you're going to have a hazard offensive line like the Bears have, um, you have to have somebody who's mobile and can work because you know the play is not going to hold up. You know it's going to break down. You might as well have someone yeah, back there that can that's move. That's nearly like making them like goalies. Like, oh, Trubisky would do better against this team, so play him. Foles would do better against this team, so play him. That is true. And, like, and, it's hard, and that's never worked anywhere. That's never really been attempted everywhere. And I don't think that they're really going to do something that radical. I think that they – they stick with Foles because he stayed in the game, but this game against the Titans is crucial. It's a game that is going to come down like the, to the game against the Saints, but all in all, I still pick. I would still pick the Titans because they're going to be vengeful. Oh, I'm picking the Titans too. We'll get into that later. Um, so uh, the Bills, Bills, Patriots. I got nothing. I, I'm, I got nothing. I'm just sad. It just makes me sad that I'm wrong. Brady's better. I. You can't even say that. You can't even say that. Well, I know, but that's the only comparison that we have because, I mean, the Patriots suck. The Patriots are worthless without Tom Brady. Is what that offense is. That's what it looks like. Terrible. That's what it looks like. But I, I think it's you look at the fact that Bill Belichick. This is a blemish on Belichick's record. I'll tell you that because oh, it, yeah. it looks like now he can't scheme for a mobile. He's never had to scheme for that. He's had to. He's had to. to Scheme for light but the pull fact, Tom Brady, who's yeah, just going to stand the fact, there and throw. The fact that you can't mold Cam Newton into your system and say, hey, this is successful. No, you're going to take Cam Newton's system, right, but which, that- has won, which has won how many Super Bowls? How many Super Bowls has Cam Newton won? Zero. Zero. How many Super Bowls has Belichick won in his seamlessly you know, impossible system to break? Six. Right, but then is that a testament to Belichick's ability to mold Newton, or is that a testament to Newton's mentality uh, to mold into the system? Maybe he both. says, maybe he Probably says, both. maybe Belichick says, this is the read. You're going to throw this under route, and Bel- and but, Newton's like, no, I'm going to take off and run, and then he fumbles, and but, then Belichick, <laughs> Belichick stands there and does his, all right, we're moving on to the next drive. Yeah, but <laughs> so maybe wouldn't he you think that Belichick would bench him at that point? I mean, Stidham's Okay, terrible. yeah, your option is no, Jared but that, Stidham. But no, but Belichick has been seen in the press saying that he's confident in both quarterbacks. Well, if you're confident in both quarterbacks and you one isn't... You have to say one, that. But if one isn't according to your game plan, at what point do you just bench him? Because you're what? Well, I, you're what? Two and five. So what, what do you Stidham, have to lose? For all we know, Jared Stidham has thrown more completions to the other team than he has to his own in his NFL career. But and, if you're going to no come out coach. and say you are confident, that's like Gruden coming out and saying he's confident Nathan Peterman can be the starter. You have to say you that. Don't, he, that. No, yes, he's know, not on record saying that. No, no, you have to say that because you're not going to come out as a head coach and go, man, I hope my starter doesn't get hurt because, man, we are just screwed if that happens. You're never going to no. say that. That projects the worst image onto your team. You're always going to 
going to say we, they're going to toe the party line of I have confidence in every quarterback on this roster. Do the Bears really have confidence in Tyler Bray to run a game for us? No. That's why he stays in the practice squad every year and never comes up. But it, it's the fact of you have to project the confidence because but, then, you know it makes them better. Something with the mentality, but you well, it's not working. See. I know. So it what point does Bill time. Belichick pull the plug because he's been that coach that's just said if you're not going to be good, bench. So why doesn't he do this? He's with never a benched Tom Brady, even in his no, worst he's not games. Benching Tom Brady, in his worst game. But that's because Tom Brady listened to him. That's because Tom Brady fit the system and would do the system. No, until Tom the Brady end. would run on the sideline, I mean, scream at Josh McDaniel, and then throw his helmet under the bench. <laughs> yes, but at the, but still, Tom Brady sat in the game against Atlanta in the Super Bowl and played the game plan and won. You think Cam Newton would do that? No, you saw him go down against the Broncos and then start throwing 15 yards over their head because he was scared Von Miller was coming off the edge. Tom Brady stands in the pocket and throws it away all game, and you're like, oh, this guy's a joke, and then he beats you in the end. Besides when he forgets that's fourth down. Fourth down. And he doesn't, okay, that's, that's a separate issue that Tom Brady doesn't take accountability for his, it's always someone else's fault, but that's a, that's a separate issue than what we're talking He's about won. right now. I know he's won. Well, he's, he wins with it, so I, it's not a terrible. I'm mentality, not arguing that he doesn't win with it. I'm not arguing that at all. But anyway, I, I don't know. I, I think Cam Newton just goes off the wire. I don't think Belichick likes it. I think there's a little power struggle there. Do you think he regrets the signing at all? I I was confused as to why Cam Newton went, and everyone was like, "Cam Newton on the Patriots, they're going to be unstoppable." And I was like, "It just it doesn't add up." The Patriots were not built to have a Cam Newton in the system. Cam Newton is the breaker of systems. I mean, that's not... Who, who was the quarterback before Cam Newton came in for the Panthers? Jake DeLome? And he was just some guy who just stood in through no the ball. And no so, I mean, Cam Newton was this guy who came in and basically paved the way for all these mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, all these quarterbacks who can scramble and run. I mean, he paved the way for them, and now he's put in a wrong system. I never thought it was going to work out. It hasn't been working out. The Patriots have not been good. And the reason why it's not a fair comparison is because I know Tom Brady's been gifted the world in Tampa Bay and Cam Newton has nothing. But I think it's always going to be a struggle with Cam Newton and the Patriots. I don't think Belichick will ever succeed with Newton as his quarterback. I do, on the other hand, think that Brady is getting a free pass. But not so much as a free pass as LeBron, but a free pass. Well, yeah, you know, he had kind of whatever he wanted. Guys came out of retirement Gronk, to play with yeah. him. Gronk came out of retirement, one of the best tight ends to ever play the game. Uh, he got Leonard and Fournette. It, well, you're just going to get the same argument of people saying, oh, well, Brady made Gronk the best tight end. No, he <laughs> Come on, not. Nick. Come on, Nick. You know Brady was no, Gronk's quarterback. No, he did not. They have the most connections. He's only played under Brady. Yeah, because he's only had the chance to play under Brady. Tight ends don't have 20-year careers. He retired and Jason came back for Brady. <laughs> I know, and and that's that's like yeah, but you can't. You saw you see how good Jason Witten is with anyone other than Romo. He's still consistent. He's, he's not thirty eight. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's not. You know, he's not catching at least you know six seven touchdowns where he was almost every year with Romo. So <laughs> it's just it's just the mentality of it's how important the quarterback is to the system, and I think there was a new coach in Tampa Bay, and it worked out well. I mean, what it's Bruce Arians, right? Bruce Arians has only been the coach for Tampa Bay for two years, maybe? Uh, I think so. Maybe not even. Fired. He got fired in uh, Arizona. And yeah, so, Kingsbury. so, I mean, he has a relatively new coach who's willing to work with him. Belichick, I guarantee you, is not willing to work with anyone else. He says, this is my system, you're going to do it. And Newton just says, oh, I'm going to run it, I'm going to fumble, and 
guess what? You lose games like that going off the playbook. Joe Burrow looks great. He he does not rely on one receiver. He throws to everyone. No, he's he going is, to be good. He is, he, is, building a... he is a transparent quarterback. He's a transparent talent that can go anywhere and win, and he proves it more and more every single week. He's a great quarterback. Bengals fans, you have a future. Praise. Yeah, he's building also a very steady connection with receiver T. Higgins. So if the two of them decide to sign one of those long joint deals where they're kind of on the same – timeline together that could be a connection that's really valuable to them down the line i mean i know that we saw it at least in hockey you saw like for that's the example i'm using is like patrick kane and jonathan taves when in 20 i think 13 they signed those identical 10-year deals with the same salary to stay in chicago so they were kind of a package deal so if the Bengals can wrap up burrow and higgins as a package deal and then keep mixing and giovanni bernard in the backfield they are setting themselves up for some good things in the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Raiders in the yeah that field goal. I don't know if any, you've probably seen the yeah just the video. way in. <laughs> I think he played the wind as much as he possibly could, aside from kicking it directly to the right and then watching it fly back across yeah. again. You can you can see here that Josh Jacobs carried the ball thirty-one times and Baker threw it twenty-five times. So an ice bath very very that. windy. You did not see Baker dancing after this loss. Yeah, uh, the Colts and the Lions. Yeah, the Lions just look kind of sad. The, the, yeah, they ran sad. away. I mean, look at the score in the fourth quarter. 21 points for the Colts. Yeah, and, and you know, it did. It looked Stafford. close. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Stafford, he just took a lot of sacks. He took a lot of hits. There was just yeah. a lot of stuff going on Indy, there. Indy's defense is the real deal. And Indy, this, this can be my take. Indy is my dark horse to go to the AFC Championship. Okay, I, was, I thought you were going to say Super Bowl, and I was like, absolutely no. not. No. You're going to find one defense that's – if they get the right path, I think they could because Phillip Rivers has proven no, nothing I, this year except that he is ineffective. But in, that, in defense, that defense against the defense anyone in the AFC can succeed. Yeah. It, no, they do. And that defense, they're young, they're fast, they fly to the ball, they create turnovers. The line is is wrecking havoc on opposing quarterbacks. And, yeah, I mean, with Just the exception the of with the exception of Mahomes and Jackson – and like those those offensive and Steelers, units and the possibly. Steelers maybe you're looking at you're looking at like yeah the Indy's going to be a top four unit a top four and they're going to be a contender in that AFC I agree I think they will get to the AFC title game to the Super Bowl maybe not I think in the AFC title game it just takes that you know if they get the Chiefs I might give them the win I mean the Chiefs defense has looked abysmal at times this year and yeah. it just takes Philip Rivers making just stringing together a couple of drives yeah exactly and then the defense can hold I mean. So we'll see how the Colts do, but they look like a pretty steady train yeah. behind, you know, a defense that has been number one in the league in nearly everything. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Clutch, Aaron Rodgers, um, got his back broken. Um, I forget what the uh, the player's name is. The uh, I believe it's the defensive tackle got through there, and Rodgers was going to step up for one of his hail mary throws, and then he got his back, yeah. got a helmet into his lower back, and then dropped the ball, and then uh, well, it didn't go out of bounds, so the game clock ran yeah. out of it. <laughs> But, it was interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook just oh he took off was amazing. Had four total touchdowns. Literally had all the Vikings points over two hundred yards of scrimmage. It just shows you how the Packers are a one sided team. That and like I said, the the best teams that are two sided in the league right now. There's two teams. There are. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are undefeated, very, very consistent teams. And I would, well, I guess I was, I guess before, I guess, now that I'm looking back, I was talking about, like, run and pass. So I said, like, the most efficient offenses 
should probably be, you know, Tennessee should be one of them. I mean, Tannehill's proven he can step up. And, I mean, Derrick Henry, obviously. So, like, the fact that they should be a top contender and then they lose is just upsetting. So, I don't know. It's just kind of... It's just it's just weird. Like, so, there were so many upsets. I mean, we go to we had the Chargers. Mess, yeah. The Chargers and the Bengals. For, for some reason, the Chargers gave up another... 21 point lead. Why did their defense look so elite against Kansas City and now cannot stop anything? And you have a better quarterback at the heeled. You have one of the best quarterbacks this year at the heeled. You have some of the best wide receivers this year. Eckler is injured, but he's great. And. Yeah, I mean, Herbert's made, you know, Jay Kelly, whoever that is. That's Josh Kelly. He's made him look great. He's made him a good receiving back, and, you know, they've been doing some good things. Uh, but I don't understand why they can't win. It defies my, like, thinking that the Chargers cannot win. The Jets' Chiefs, uh, the Jets might get a win maybe against a Miami or a Patriots, but other than that, they're not going to beat anyone with their schedule. They still have to play the Seahawks. They still have to play uh, the Rams. And I, I forget what other division. They have the Chiefs division, so they haven't played. Well, have they, they played, the played the Chargers? They've played the Broncos already. Yeah, they, they haven't have, played the Chargers. They haven't played the Chargers. The Jets are on Monday yet. Night Football. Let's not forget to mention that. Against the Patriots, which they could win. But the Jets for the first overall pick. It's good that the Bengals won. I'm so sorry, now they're. Did you see that clip of Avery Williamson uh, hitchhiking in yes. his full gear to get out of New York? Yes. Uh, um, but he. Uh, so yeah, good for the Jets, and the football team, and oh, on, the sorry. Giants. The football team and the Giants are going to play each other, so they're obviously going to have one guaranteed win between one of them. So one's going to bump up to two. I could see either one of those teams beating a Dallas or an Eagles down the road, which is good because then the draft stock. So then you have the Giants, Washington, and the Jets at zero wins could possibly get one. Um, what? Who else has one win? That's <sighs> it. No. Is, I think Pretty it might be Houston. Else. Houston might be a one-win team. You're right. But there's no there's no way they don't win a divisional game. Yeah. Here, scroll down. Didn't Houston play? Or did they have a bye? They have a bye this week. Can you click on them? Oh, the Jaguars. Oh, Jaguars. Never <laughs> mind. Yeah, I found them. The Jags. Uh, uh, we'll see if they get a win. Yeah. Again, their division could get the win. Uh, in the tracking, we just have – it's a weekly thing now. Uh, ooh, excuse me. Um, the, the New York Jets have a point differential of minus 144 – that is currently 42 points worse than the 0-16 Detroit Lions, solidifying them. This is, through eight games, the worst eight-game team in NFL history. See, if they just get one win, they negate it all, especially if they get one win. Oh, no, they'll still be the worst. They'll be the worst one win, but they'll still be the worst. Oh, yeah, the but worst no, no, but you cannot. One win, going 1-15, will always be better than going 0-16, regardless yeah, of if you true. lose every... Regardless of whether your point differential is bad or not. Because, I mean, 
you're just not going down as a notorious 0-16. You will not be forever remembered as going 1-15 because the Browns did it so many times. Um, but it's just terrible. They're they're just awful. And the fact, if they get one win, let's hope that they get the first overall pick. There's no way they have a head-to-head record because a team that they're going to have to beat is not going to be the team at the bottom because they don't play them. They did last year. They played the NFC East last year. They don't this year. So, and they played the AFC North. So they played the Bengals last year. So they don't this year. They're going to play. If they grab that win, it's going to be against a team that's marginally better and not in the running for the first overall pick. So they're not necessarily going to shoot themselves in the foot if they win one game, but they just had to pray. I don't know what metrics are used to determine which team is worse, but the Jets are almost worse in every single category, and they're not going to get the head-to-head for sure. So I think that they have it secured whether they win or not, and I think that they might sneak a win. I have no idea. They're just dumping players, and they dump their last players with, like you said, Avery Williamson just deadline, getting picks. Yeah. So hey, hey, got to, it's the, just to full the Steelers, rebuild. so good for him. But. Yeah, just full rebuild. Uh, uh, Dolphins, Rams. Yeah, the Dolphins Jared are Goff. looking like a legitimate team. Jared Goff just faltering. His offensive line looked atrocious, and they couldn't get anything going. The Dolphins' defense stepping up really big. We haven't seen what Tua is capable of because this game did not rely on Tua. So... We'll see in the coming weeks what happens, but don't make any assumptions about Tua yet. Don't call him bad. Don't call him good. He didn't look amazing, but he also wasn't on the field that much. I mean, he went three drives in a row without seeing the field. So you can't judge a guy who is just trying to get in his rhythm and sitting on the bench just getting all nervous again, getting all these butterflies again because you, you know, fumble recovery and then you punt return. And now you're just sitting there like, I'm just going to win the game doing nothing. So he still threw a touchdown. His completion percentage wasn't great. He didn't throw a lot of passes. Let's not jump the gun. Let's see what he actually does when he's relied on, when the Dolphins' offense is actually on the field doing something. But the Dolphins' defense and special teams won that game. 49ers and Seahawks, the Seahawks just look dominant. The 49ers look like the worst team in that division, which is saying something because the 49ers are actually good. Yeah, they're 4-4. and They're not doing bad. But – the Rams and the Cardinals have stepped up. They look like they could be the bottom of that division. They have stepped yeah. up and proven otherwise. Uh, and the Seahawks are continuing to dominate in that division. Russell Wilson putting on an MVP show with DK Metcalf getting, you know, Just getting the love ball. in yeah. this game instead of Tyler Lockett. So uh, that's great yeah. for him. And then the, uh, the Eagles, Cowboys. That was the, I. I watched the. I had the. You wouldn't call it the honor, whatever the opposite. I, I had the torture of watching that first half. I turned it off. Yeah, that was the sloppiest first half I've ever seen. I'm talking I'm talking Carson Wentz goes down, gets pile drove by somebody, <laughs> fumbles, the Giants pick it up, they go all the way down, Cowboys. Daniel Jones gets it. Who Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys, sorry. Yeah, the Cowboys, I'm thinking it. of the Giants. Danucci gets it, he goes down there, he gets hit, he fumbles the ball. So then, then you know, the Eagles get it back. They go down. They drive, score a touchdown. Oh, everything is great. The Cowboys go down. They kick a field goal after their drive stalls after three big plays. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, and then the Eagles will come down and they'll 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 just kind of tease you on the edge of the forty and then stall out and punt. And then we get you know the Cowboys coming down. They kick two field goals in the second. They had some real momentum. You know, up nine to seven at the half in the worst Sunday night game of the year. And it was just bad. They combined for six turnovers. 
Carson Wentz looked like the more competent quarterback, although somehow Ben DiNucci threw for more yards on 21 of 40 passing. <laughs> he kept trying to do this weird sidearm sling thing like out of a yeah, movie. I, it was just bad. He, I, he just, is not the quarterback of the future. No, and no. There were even some last-minute rumors on like, hey, Cowboys, you need a quarterback? Here's Sam Darnold. So, Please don't. <laughs> the last so thing you need is we'll just give see. them somebody who's even semi competent But, yeah, so the trade deadline is over. There will be no more trades, and Dallas is stuck. And I just feel like I I feel like the players just don't respect the program. They don't want to fight for the Cowboys winning. I mean, you can see it in the offensive line. They haven't looked that bad in forever. And Danucci took the took the fall for that one because he didn't know what was going on. He just knew the playbook and kept his head down, stared down receivers, and threw the ball. And when he didn't throw the ball, he was getting suplexed on the ground and throwing the ball back. I mean, yeah, him and Carson Wentz. I'll I'll give them both props. They hung in there and took some absolute <laughs> shots. When they were no, in the no, it wasn't Danucci hanging in there. It was him just running standing for there. Oh, standing. No, he okay, wasn't running. Okay. Uh, and then the Buccaneers, Giants. The Giants made this close somehow. I think I the thought Giants, they were going to win. The Giants are a better team than everyone expects them. Daniel Jones. Do not give up on him, New York. Just give him another year. He shows flashes of brilliance. He just needs a semi-better team. Saquon, I feel like if Saquon was playing this year, they would be the division leaders. Oh, yeah. And I feel like if Saquon was playing, the Giants would have a positive record. I think if Saquon was still playing, my fantasy team wouldn't be 2-6. and six. Yeah. <laughs> But, I wasted my first round pick on that guy. Yeah, not so, to not to put it on him. You know, he can't help that he tears his ACL. Then. But yeah, I'm, I think the Giants are better than a lot of people give them credits for, and I think uh, the Buccaneers have came down off their unreasonably hot stretch. So uh, we'll wrap up today's segment here with the picks for next week, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. So we'll actually uh, do this on our podcast instead of waiting to just write them on the sticky note. Do you have the old sticky note? Do you have an updated on what our records oh, are? Because I do. We did absolutely terrible this past uh, week. You have taken so a very updates. clear advantage. I had a couple of gambles, and last week did not pay off anything close to it. Felix is currently 41-31. and 31. I'm sitting at 37-35. and 35. So only four games behind you, but just a lot of the swing picks that I made just completely fell apart. I, they fell apart. The Panthers had that game in the bag, and then <laughs> Atlanta comes back and beats them. You know, stuff like that. Like, I thought the Bears for sure – you know, we're going to, after after the Saints stalled out in overtime, I was like, dude, that pick just worked for me. And then Alvin Kamara just takes it, you know, 40 yards to the 20. And I'm like, oh, and the game's over. And I just lost. <laughs> like, it was bad. Just, you know. Yeah, my swing picks have been working out for me. Yeah. So we'll see it's if just, I can continue. It's a matter it. of luck. I, w- I, will, okay. I, will, I will go first since I essentially shot the best score, like yeah, golf. You know what? It's I'm like going to go ahead. Yeah, i got to get a note, a real quick note ready. All right. Hold on. So, Hold, on. Hold your horses, mister. Green Bay at San Francisco. Green Bay just loses in a cold game. Aaron Rodgers, he likes the warm. They can kick the ball this game. I'm taking Green Bay at San Francisco. Should be a good game, but I'm taking Green Bay. Denver at Atlanta. This one is also close. This could go either way. It's Drew Locke versus Matt Ryan. Who's going to keep the momentum going after wins? I'm going to say Atlanta. I really don't know, but I trust them more. I trust their production more than I do Denver. Seattle at Buffalo. Oh, my goodness. These games could go either way. We're going to pick different on every single game. I have no idea what's going on. It's in Buffalo. Giving it to Buffalo, I think Josh Allen shows that it wasn't just a preseason uh, first game fluke. I think he knows what's at stake. I think he takes it to town and shows that the AFC isn't just – 
the best, the semi okay Bills and the Dolphins coming at second. Chicago at Tennessee. I'm taking Tennessee. I think that they are a more consistent team. I think they have some vengeance in their blood. I think Chicago still got to figure it out, and I think this is another bump in the road for them. Baltimore at Indianapolis. Oh my goodness, another tough game. I just said that Indianapolis is going to go to the AFC Championship, but Baltimore looks very solid last week. I'm going to take Baltimore. Carolina at Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City. Um, even if Christian McCaffrey comes back, I'm not too worried. We can start talking about that when Christian McCaffrey will actually be guaranteed to come back, most likely two weeks from now. The Lions at Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. Why are these all so hard? Minnesota just showed a flash of brilliance, and the Lions have proven that they can stay in nearly any game. It comes out of defense. I'm going to take Minnesota here because the Lions' defense has looked atrocious. Here's the game that I want to see, New York versus Washington, the game that will kick someone out of the first overall pick. I'm going to take Washington. Even though I had some praise for the Giants, I think Washington has been playing pretty well. Kyle Allen, that quarterback, he's been doing quite well with the team somehow. And those defense, that defense isn't terrible, so I'm going to take Washington. Houston at Jacksonville, another game that's just terrible. I'm going to take Houston. They're a more proven team. Jacksonville has looked in the dumps. Let's see if what they can do, both of teams off a bye. Vegas at the Chargers. Oh, my goodness. What is going on with these picks? Derek Carr and Justin Herbert are both looking great. And uh, but the Chargers don't win, and Vegas wins. So who do I take? I take the more complete team with Vegas. I think it's going to be a shootout. Might go in overtime. Oh, my goodness. I could just completely mess up these picks. Except Pittsburgh at Dallas. I'm definitely taking Pittsburgh. Uh, Miami at Arizona. Uh, that Oh, my God. Another one I'm going to take. Arizona, I don't think Miami keeps it together. I don't I don't know how Tua is, so I'm a little shaky. I know what to expect from Kyler. I know that they beat the Seahawks. I'm taking Arizona. New Orleans at Tampa Bay, another impossible pick. How am I supposed to know what wins and what doesn't? I have no idea, but New Orleans didn't look great. They were also in the cold. This is at Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady is, uh, I don't know. I, I think um, I'm going to take the Saints. Uh, I think that Drew Brees knows to get it in gear. It's tough without Michael Thomas, but I think the defense actually knows to show up, and I hope that they win. I'm going to take the Patriots at New York. Prime time is my sole reason. New York just sucks. I don't even want to watch the game, and I'm a Jets fan through this year. It's It, it might not be terrible, but it's not going to be good for any Jets fan. Yeah. Okay, well, I was doing mine mentally. We actually, we you know, I don't think we aren't picking different on a whole lot of these. Uh, the only ones I – only ones that I pick different from you, uh, Seattle over Buffalo. I think Seattle's hot. Buffalo's defense is going to falter. Um, I got Jackson. That. I took Jacksonville. I think that's that surprising. They're coming off the bye week, and I think that they're going to be hot. So, especially if they get a if they get a if they get a Gardner Minshew that has a healthy expe- thumb. I didn't expect you to pick that. I didn't expect you to no. pick that one different. I think the rest of them are the same. It's really just those couple. I mean, the rest of these I I can see the logic, and I it makes sense to me why you take the pick. So I'm. Willing to cheat. Gonna... You're cheating. What do you mean cheating? That's what you're doing. That's not you're cheating. cheating. It's my own opinion. He's cheating. No, it is not. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up here on 89.5 WJMU, the quad. Thank you for sticking with us and listening. And we will be speaking about some sports next week. So enjoy your week. So long.